This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're flipping right to episode number 71. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com. And in today's podcast episode, we are going to talk to Tracy about her awesome book, Zero to Five. With that, let's jump right into the interview and let you hear from her. Hi, this is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com. And today I am thrilled to have Tracy Kutchlow as a guest on the podcast. Tracy is the author of Zero to Five, 70 Essential Parenting Tips Based on Science. She's a former journalist at the Seattle Times and the editor for best, the best-selling books Brain Rules and Brain Rules for Baby. She's also mom to a precocious three-year-old of her own. Welcome to the show, Tracy. Thank you, Kristen. Okay, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what inspired you to write Zero to Five? Sure. Well, as you mentioned, I have spent most of my career as a journalist and editor, um, that means that I tend to look at something and think about how it could be done better. Um, and so I had edited these books on um, baby brain development and, of course, read a wide range. Um, and then once I had my own baby, I thought, I do not have time to look at these books. I need this information, but I just don't have time to read them. Um, and so I thought it would be so nice if there was a book that just uh, just quickly told you what to do. And so the format of Zero to Five is that it's just one tip per page paired with beautiful photographs and it's spiral bound so you can just leave it laying open and kind of glance at it as you're walking by and get something out of it. And it is, the photographs are beautiful. Thank you. No, I didn't take them, but <laughs> but yeah. Um, yes, I was very lucky that a former uh, photojournalist from the Seattle Times, where I used to work, agreed to, uh, to work on this project with me. Well, I think that the result for the two of you was just fantastic, and it is very accessible, so I think that you achieved your goal in that. Thank you. Okay, so tell me, why did you decide to focus on zero to five? Uh, well, that is when most of a child's brain has developed. 90% um, has developed by age five. So there's so much going on in that time period. And what, what we do as parents uh, does matter during that time. I also think um, it's when most of us are, are feeling the most clueless because so many of us haven't been around kids um, before having our own, and for a lot of us, our families aren't nearby to help guide us through that. Um, so that's how I was feeling, and um, I wanted to help out other parents who are feeling the same way. Well, again, I, I think that you did a great job with making an accessible book, and I agree that, well... I don't know, having some older kids now, they feel a little bit confusing too, but that yes. initial overwhelming period is just, I mean, it's really, 
I think that you hit the nail on the head with creating something that's good for parents when we maybe don't feel quite so confident in ourselves at first. You cover, you actually cover, I like zero to five, because you have some great tips for pregnancy, too. But I was wondering, if could you just share what what you think, like, a top tip for each age group is? Because I know that you went through a lot of research putting it together. And just something for, you know, the pregnancy and then baby and maybe toddlers, a top tip for each of those age groups? Sure, yeah. One nice thing about the book is that there are little tabs that tell you which tips um, work well with each age. Um, for pregnancy, I would say the most important thing is to try to reduce the stress in your life. Um, you know, that could be just making sure you get to your yoga class or that um, you're not spending 80 hours a week at work at the end of your pregnancy. Um, mainly any area where you feel out of control of your life, um, that's the kind of stress that's harmful to us and also to our baby. So, um, so reducing the, that. Um, with newborns, I would say the most important thing um, is really to just be responsive to their needs, to to be aware of what they're trying to communicate, even though we don't always know what it is, um, <laughs> and do what we can uh, to respond. Let's see. When we get to that point where um, this is usually a source of tension for parents when um, to their 18-month-old or at a, or at a play date and one is trying to grab the toy from the other one. Um, and we're always saying, can you share, can you share? Yeah. Yeah, well, at that age, um, um, toddlers don't really have the ability to guess at what another person wants yet. It will come later, but um, it will help. it helps if we just give very explicit directions, like, oh, your friend would like a turn with the toy. Can you hand her the toy? Oh, that's a good tip. I was so amazed to see that work. (laughs) 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 My friend and I looked at each other like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And another important thing around this time, I would say, is it really helps if you can include your child in your day. Um, I, I think so many of us, are always kind of following our kid around, like, don't do that, don't touch that, no, no, yeah. no. Um, but if we can think of, of ways to include them, like, oh, uh, mommy's going to fix the handle on this suitcase now, and this is a screwdriver, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the screwdriver into the screw and see when I turn it this way, it gets tighter. Um, and, you know, your two-year-old would could help you turn the screwdriver. <laughs> they love that stuff, you know? And it's yeah. stressful for everybody. Three. How about, um, I have a page called Call a Calm Down, Not a Time Out. And yeah. Yeah, this is my 
my child is doing and how frustrating this stage can be. So this tip is about when we're getting so frustrated, um, we're about to do something we are going to regret, that we would really give ourselves the time out, um, that we just take a break, take some deep breaths, um, leave the room if we need to, just get ourselves, get, give ourselves a second to get out of that um, that emotional state and let our our uh, thinking brain get back online, basically. That's yeah, the I think taking deep breaths. Yeah, I, I I really think that that's a great tip. That's one of the, I tell the the mamas and the smart mama happy baby club that if their mommy radar is going off, if you're starting, which means you're starting to get upset and frustrated, it means that you need to do something right then. And I think that what you're talking about is, I mean, it's keying into that and responding to that in a way that's healthy for you and your child. So I was I thought it was really neat to see how you framed it in the book. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we think, well, we need to deal with the, the misbehavior right away, but it's actually more important to calm down first. We can deal with the issue even even later that night if we need to. But as our kids get older, I think it's important to keep nurturing their their intrinsic creativity. They're always asking why, and um, we don't always have the answers, but... Kind of um, encouraging that, and when they're curious about something, I love this this phrase that um, that I found that we can use, which is, "Well, I notice, I notice this thing, um, and I wonder that." And it kind of helps them think about things in that way. Yeah, that's really nice too. I like that. Yeah, I think the main, the biggest overarching. I could give is to really ask for help when you need it. Um, to not be afraid of doing that. Um, to not be afraid of inconveniencing somebody. With, you know, watching your baby for an hour or two if you need that. Um, I think we try to take on so much ourselves, but parenting is something that evolutionarily was done with a lot of people in a group at one time. Yeah. And now we're um, very much trying to do it alone, and that's too hard. <laughs> we shouldn't be. Yep. <laughs> I agree. Totally get it. To ask for help when you need it. And probably one of the hardest things about parenting, too. It is. It is. And maybe ask for help before you need it. <laughs> yes. Thrill before it gets desperate. <laughs> yes. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about talking. It seems that it's pretty important for us to talk to our kids. Is that right? And is there a quote right way that we're supposed to speak to little kids? It is really important to to talk with our kids. Um, and the latest research from Patricia Cool at the University of Washington. Um, shows that there is there is one way that um, if we speak to our kids in that way, it makes a huge difference in terms of their language acquisition. Um, through about 18 months, if we use that kind of sing-songy voice that's 
that's called parentese um, that really allows them to pick up on the parts of language. And also, if we are talking one-on-one with them and kind of leaning in close and um, and talking about things that that we're both experiencing, like, you know, oh, look at this beautiful flower here. Do you... Do you feel these petals? They're so soft. Um, and then making it a conversation, even though they're not talking yet, they, you know, they're responding with their eyes or their smile or gestures, and to kind of pause and let that happen and respond to that. Um, if we talk to our kids that way, it turns out that. Um, by kindergarten, they have double the vocabulary. Wow, that's, I mean, that's pretty interesting and intriguing that just just when you talk to them and include them, it can make that big of a difference for them that quickly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the research that that's being done now, and I mean, there's so much we don't know about how the brain works, but these little pieces that are starting to come out um, are pretty fascinating. I think it's cool. Yeah, one of them, um, since reading your book, one of mine and Scott's running jokes has been that because there was the, there's the page in the book that talks about how many words an hour the child hears and how that impacts them by preschool age. And so Scott and I joke that in our house, our kids are going to have a huge vocabulary because I don't think they ever stop hearing words <laughs> because there's always so much talking going on. <laughs> yeah, for some people that is completely natural and they might read that page in the book and say, well, yeah, um, talk to your kids a lot. For somebody like me, it's not. I tend to be a listener. So um, so hearing that research kind of freaked me out. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I must... I myself, I tend to be pretty quiet, too. You know, I'm like you. I'm a listener and an observer, but my house full of children is definitely not. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Okay. So this, this next topic is, this is one that I get questions on a lot. And I really, I loved the section on sleep. I've read through a lot of research on sleep because, Smart Mama Happy Baby members, that's been like the number one concern has been how do I get my tot to sleep. So I've read a lot on that lately. And your research really lined up with what I've been reading. So can you give some hints for helping little ones develop good sleep habits? Well, I'd say routine is the most important thing. It's the one thing that that you will encounter across any sleep book you read, right? Yes. But... What we're trying to do is, um, you know, when our babies are are in our wombs, they, um, our bodies are kind of running all of these processes in their bodies. And when they're born, we have to help them basically take that over themselves. And the way that, that we do that is... Um, by helping them understand night from day, for example. So when we put them to bed at night, we make sure that it's dark and that it's quiet. Um, 
we kind of help their rhythms build by doing things in the same way at the same time. Um, just before bed, you know, reading a story or singing a song or something soothing, not like a huge pickle fest <laughs> or yeah. something like that. Um, and and that's what helps their bodies develop this rhythm. That's kind of the the most the most basic um, aspect of good sleep habits. Was there yeah, anything I, else I, that you found that you that really connected with you? The bit about learning, you know, how much a baby needs sleep and how much a baby can stay awake. Like, that was fascinating to me, I guess, maybe because even with, like, with Sadie, because I've been doing this research while Sadie is a baby, this Mm in-depth research, and so I can really see it with her. And I think it really helped me reframe how I thought about her because in the past I might have thought, oh, my baby is fussy. But with, and I still, I think that Sadie's a pretty intense little kid, but Mm-hmm. Instead of thinking, oh, she's being fussy, I tend to think, oh, she's tired. Because mm-hmm. I guess we think about we get up in the morning and then we're up for, what, 12, 14, even more hours. And it seems startling almost to think that a young baby might only be able to be up for 45 minutes or an hour or an hour and a half. And then they really yep. need sleep again. And yep. so I was, I was just so happy to see that. In the book, because especially because, you know, you have the book in that page that's just, you know, it's just right there, and that's what I'm thinking about. That's what I'm focused on. So a parent can really understand that and understand that that's normal. And I think that helps us help our child, and it also helps us, like, our state of mind. Because when you think, oh, I have a fussy baby, that brings all kinds of guilt, and what am I doing wrong, and all this kind of stuff with it, too. Where mm-hmm. instead you think, oh, this is normal, and my baby's tired, and how can I help him or her get to sleep? That's just—I think it's more, much more empowering, and it, and you know, and it's being able to listen to our baby's needs and better. So I really like yeah. that too. Ah, uh, that's great. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, so I wish I could also... know more about that when he <laughs> was a newborn. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I'm I'm sitting here with my seventh baby, and it's like that was a light bulb for me, so I don't feel bad at all. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, so, um, so you also you you touch on so much, but I just I love how it's all so bite sized and easy. But you also take a look at play, and you actually do this in a few different sections. But I like the the bit on toys. So which toys mm-hmm. are going to enhance a child's brain development and creativity the most? Mm-hmm. Uh, what I say in the book is that it's the toys that that um, require your baby to use his imagination. Um, so if you think about your typical kind of red and bright red and yellow plastic um uh, say telephone there aren't many other things that that could be yeah um and so and these things that flash and beep and stuff they are captivating for a little while um but they're not really they're more distractions than really um things that encourage imagination i remember i remember we were walking down the sidewalk one day um 
and my daughter picked up a stick. And in just a couple blocks, the stick turned into so many different things. It was like a cane. It was um, – she was playing the drums with it. Um, it became a rainbow. I forget all the things, but it was just amazing to watch. And so those – I think it's easiest to find those things in, in the natural world, you know, sticks, bark, rocks. <laughs> Pine cones. Yes. And I think the picture in the book was was a little one in a box, I think, which is oh, yes. always the joke. It's always the joke that, you know, they like the box that the toy came in better than the toy. So Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Just get the yeah. box and some crayons and you're good. Yeah, good open-ended play there. Okay, I was also fascinated by the section on teaching self-control. I think it's something that a lot of parents expect that, that kids will develop later, but it seems like we can take steps now to help our kids start practicing this early on. And so what what can we do when they're little, and how is this helpful for when they're older, like school age and even as they're moving into their adult life? Yeah, well, it is true that it, um, it does develop later in a way. I mean, it, um, you might be familiar with the, the marshmallow test where researchers yeah. tested kids' self-control by leaving them in a room alone with, with marshmallows and seeing whether they could avoid eating it. Um, and just naturally, you know, kindergartners did better than preschools on that because there is an aspect of the brain needing to develop. Um, but, yeah, um, also in that test, they found that the kids who were most successful at not eating the marshmallow were the ones who were able to distract themselves from it, um, sit on their hands, not look at it, imagine that it was something else, like um, imagine a picture frame around it, like it's not real, it's a picture. Um, so those, you know, those are things that we can kind of help our help our kids do early on. Um, and then there are some games you can play, things that inhibit your initial reaction to uh, to something like you could play um, a game called Opposite Day where if you show your kid a picture of a sun, they're supposed to say night instead of day uh-huh. and vice versa. Um, or... Um, you know, you're playing music, and when the music goes faster, you're supposed to dance slower. Um, there, there are things like that. It's, it's something that researchers are working pretty hard on to understand how you can develop this. And they don't actually, they don't have all of the answers yet. But um, yeah, there are just little games like that 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 you can play with your kids. But no, the thing I think that, that's cool. Yeah. Um, the reason it's so important, though, is self-control. It basically allows you, you know, to do your homework and when you'd rather watch TV or pick something healthy off the menu and the chocolate cake looks really good. Um, and it, it lets you plan for the future and... So you can imagine that it's 
it's hard to get successfully through school or through life without very much self-control. I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to think about the things I ate yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that it's good to give ourselves some time where we're able to relax things. But I also I think yeah. it's cool that, that there are ways that we can help our kids learn and learn in, in more of a fun way than just, a, well, you need to have self-control or else, you know, you're not going to be able to succeed or you're going to get bad grades or whatever. But being able to, you know, start developing some of those habits positively is, I like mm. that idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One thing, yeah, one thing I found that um, Montessori schools do early on with their with kids in the classroom is um, almost kind of meditative, like a walking meditation where they have to follow along a line and, and that requires a lot of concentration for a little kid. Um, so that's one more thing you could do, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Okay, kind of following, it's kind of a follow-up to the self-control thing, but you also talk about why it's important to give our kids the chance to make mistakes. Why is that so important? Well, that's the main way that we learn something, right? Um, you try it and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been thinking about this a lot lately. It's I don't know why, but it's so hard sometimes for us parents to just step back, right, and let this thing happen. I think because kids are so slow. <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard for us to have that much patience. Um, I remember a friend and I took our our toddlers to an art museum, and they didn't last very long, of course. And when they were ready to go, they wanted to zip up each other's jackets. And this was taking forever, you know, and we're just like, oh, we just want to jump in there and zip it up and go. Um, but we didn't. We waited. They got it. And then, you know, they were so proud of themselves. And then we were able to um, to praise their effort, which is another really important thing to do. Um, so, yeah, it helps. It helps build their independence, their confidence, their resiliency. It's important for us to just let them try and then yeah. give them help when they when they really need it, not before. Yeah. Yeah, you were saying earlier something we were discussing a little bit ago and you were talking about how we spend a lot of time just kind of following along behind our kids. And sometimes I think that with that, parenting culture that we've got right now that kids don't often get a chance to, to try or to do on their own or to make their own mistakes because there's always a parent right there jumping in. And I think it's so good to emphasize that it's good for them to, to mess up sometimes and to learn from it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I know. I was at the playground last week, and this poor mom, I mean, she just, every five seconds, Hey, no, don't do that. Don't like the kids couldn't have any fun at all. It was stressing me out. She was saying it so much, yeah. and I just thought, you know, uh, I felt bad for the kids and also for her because she felt so anxious about it. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, she can't yeah. enjoy them. Yeah. The more we practice, the better we'll be at it. Yeah, it definitely, it's definitely something that you get a little bit better at <laughs> as you watch. I mean, I know I, I'm I'm much less likely to to follow my little ones around now than I was Cassidy, my first, and it's just, yeah. I I do think that I've gained some wisdom, even if baby sleep epiphanies are still occurring to me. But, <laughs> but yeah, I think that it's so good to just to just back up and let them let them go some. Mm-hmm. And it's something we can do even when they're itty bitty, you know, and they're trying to screw the the lid on the jar or whatever, um, all the way up to the rest of their lives, really. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not doing their homework for them and all of that. Oh, yes. But, yep, they can do that themselves. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, and this, uh, this all is kind of connected, but today many kids, even even like little toddlers and preschoolers tend to be really overscheduled. And so what are the benefits to them of having free time or even being allowed to get bored sometimes? Yeah, being bored is actually pretty important um, because our brains don't like to be bored. So when we are in that situation, that's when our brain starts working and being creative and so we're actually really taking something away from our kids if we never let them be bored and you know taking something away from ourselves because um because if if they don't know what to do with themselves when they don't have something to do they tend to want us to jump in and and um help them with that so yeah, always, so I think the always entertain. <laughs> yeah. So it's good for both parties. Um, so one thing you can say is when your kid says, I'm bored, you could say, okay, well, um, well I'm reading my book over here. What What are you going to do? And just kind of not jump in and let them figure it out. I like that. That's good. I mean, I know there can be peer pressure. Um, I was giving a talk where a mom said that everyone in her community, their kids were all in music and sports and all of these lessons, and um, they looked at her and said, what, your kid is in preschool only two days a week? You know? Um, and so I know there can be that that kind of peer pressure, but I think... It's important to just think about what your values are and um, that you want to have time as a family or that you want to spend less time in the car commuting somewhere um, and to find people who who also have those values. And yeah, that and help, I think that can help support you. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really important too is because, I mean, you always have to be an advocate for your child and for your family, and it starts right away. I mean, even starts when you're pregnant. So I think that that's so important. And, I mean, along those lines, one of the things that I really like about your book is that it is the research. And so, I mean, it's always hard to stand up to somebody else, but a mom in that situation could say, you know, look, the research says that giving my child some time off fosters creativity, 
and this and that and the other. And so that's, this is a conscious choice that I've made or that my husband and I have made for our family. And I think that that kind of, I mean, it kind of gets people to back down when you put it that way because it's sure. hard to argue with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But obviously there are still um, so many choices that we can, so many different choices that we can make for ourselves. And I think what you just said about, you know, this is the choice we're making for our family is really important. And, you know, it's okay for you to make the choices that that you want. Yeah, yeah, we've had to, I mean, Scott and I have had to, that's my husband, Scott and I have had to say that about a lot of the choices that we've made and even when it may make us look like the quote-unquote bad guys. So, like, this summer we're we're hoping to get together with family, but um, and they're thinking about coming up here and thinking, well, we'd like to go somewhere to, you know, a resort or a campground, and we've kind of had to say it has to be close enough to here because our kids, my older kids are in 4-H this year. So they've made a commitment to take care of their 4-H animals. And so even though it doesn't make us super popular uh, to be the ones who have to, say, okay, we can't go too far away, it's still saying this is what a choice that our family made and, you know, we're going to stand up for that and let it be respected and also teach our children that it's okay to say that. And I think that all of that's important. It is. It is. I agree. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's really, I, I have to admit that my husband is a is a huge helper with all of that. He's never afraid to stand up and say, look, this is the choice that we've made, even when I would feel more timid or feel pressure more. So, I, And that's one of the reasons why I think that that having a support system, I mean, a husband or even family members or friends or somebody, I do think that's important. And I know that you, I mean, you've talked about that on the podcast here and you talk about that throughout the book. So it's very helpful to have somebody to somebody who has your back, so to speak. And it's mm-hmm. good for us to seek that out. Yes. Yes. Okay, let's touch on this with our kids time one more time. Is why is why is routine important for little ones? Because I especially think that this is really key for little kids. Why is routine important? And how is routine different than having, say, a packed schedule? Yeah. <clears throat> well, routine is, is um, routine just gives a certain rhythm to your day, and it makes things predictable, and little kids really need that predictability. Um, but it, do- it doesn't have anything to do with how many things are in the day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah. So you could have only two things. Like in the morning, we're going to go for a walk outside, and when it's time for naps and for bedtime, here's a little routine that we do in this, we do these things in this order and we do the same things in the same order each time. And that gives our children, um, it's just calming to know what's going to come next. Um, You can imagine there's just so much of the day that they don't understand and have no control over. Um, But yeah, having a, Having a super packed schedule is you might also be doing the same things in the same order, but but it's not really what I'm talking about when I say routine. 
Yeah. Yeah, and I think that a lot of people, they have the misconception that if you have a routine, that, that equates a packed schedule, but it's different. And I and I also, I think, like I said, that routine is really important for little kids and for saving mom's sanity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Of course, there's, I mean, there's a little bit of flexibility in there, too. Yeah. Um, you're not always going to be able to, say, get out of the house in exactly 20 minutes or something. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's definitely flexibility. But but I think that there's comfort in routines. And, and I like to think about it like, you know, we have the seasons of the year, and sometimes there are disruptions in the middle of those seasons. But in general, they they run in a pretty predictable manner, and that seems like a good model for life and what comforts little ones. So. Yeah, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you don't just talk about our kids in the book, and we've hinted at this a couple times, but you also talk about how to nurture ourselves and our relationships during pregnancy and while parenting. Are there any quick tips before we wrap up? Yeah, I think that's so important not to lose ourselves. We, um, you know, we need to sacrifice a lot to be parents, um, but we also need to make sure that we're that we're holding on to to our other relationships and to the things that are important to us um, those those things can change when we have kids but we need something for ourselves um, in terms of in terms of relationship communication is just the biggest thing um, what can you do to feel like you're on the same team here because You've probably, I mean, when you're having your first kid, you probably haven't had to be such a team before, actually, yeah. in your relationship. Yeah. So it's all new, and these are not necessarily things that that we learn um, before we get to this point. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's, I think it's great if, if we actually, you know, got more counseling or coaching on how to be better communicators. Um, there's a really good workshop that's research-based called Bringing Baby Home. Um, okay. That's national, but that um, it just helps parents understand what's, what's coming, what the challenges are, and how to best communicate through those. And then, of course, there are the things that that just make us personally feel whole. Um, And we need to, you know, get the support from our partner or our family or babysitters or whatever to just have a moment to do those things, too. All right. Well, thank you, Tracy. I really love the book. And like I said, I think you hit the mark with an accessible book that's really easy to go to during the hectic days of life with little. Can <laughs> can you tell a little bit more about the book and where listeners can get a copy if they're interested in it? Of course, yes. Um, it is on Amazon. It's at Barnes & Noble. It's at a lot of uh, local bookstores. If it's not, then... Be sure to ask for it. <laughs> um, and then, of course, um, it's it's uh, in print. There's also an ebook version. 
people who who would like the the PDF can go to a website gum g u m dot c o slash zero to five book and find it there as well. Okay. And if you just want to, oh, never mind. I won't say that. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll, I'll um, put the links and everything in the show notes so that they can get to them easy. And definitely, those of you mamas and daddies who are listening, I would recommend you get the print book because it's really, it's it's lovely. Yeah, thank you. Um, the other thing is that I, I have a website at 0to5.net. Um, you okay. can check out, yeah, people can get a, an idea of the book there. Um, including a, a little sneak peek of it if you want to sign up for my newsletter. And the newsletter is uh, weekly parenting tips that I send out. So that is all at 0to5.net. All right, cool. So that's 0to5.net, which is Tracy's website. You can find her book on Amazon and at local booksellers. I will link to all of this in the show notes for those of you who are listening while driving or something. And thank you so much again, Tracy, for being on. Um, it has been great. I really enjoyed it. I did too. Thank you so much, Kristen. I just want to thank Tracy one more time for being an awesome guest on the podcast. I really appreciate her taking the time to share with us, and I especially appreciate what a great resource her book is. Again, even though I know she said there's an ebook copy, I encourage you to pick up the hard copy because it's so beautiful and so accessible, and I know that you and your little ones will love it. All right, with that, let me know if you have any feedback on this episode or any episode of the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, or if there's anything that you want to hear about, please go ahead and let me know. Don't forget, leave me a rating in iTunes or in Stitcher. It helps other families find the podcast so that we can get the word out about balanced and happy mothering and happy parenting to more families. I will talk to you next week, and please have a blessed week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.